It's happy hour again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network. It's neworleans.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stool, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limousine or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you because that's New Orleans and this is happy hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleans in a bar. Well, most of us are New Orleans. <laughs> we're certainly in a bar. We're at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street, which is not just a bar. It's also a restaurant where they serve handcrafted food and spirits with a whole new menu and a radically new happy hour that lasts for three hours every single day from 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 6 in the evening so you can be totally drunk by the time you order anything to eat. And full. Well, the bar menu <laughs> well, is yeah, pretty Well, yeah, the bar menu is cheap as well for three yep. hours. Oh, yeah. Everything's half, half price. That's right. I'm not quite sure why they do huh. that. I guess it's to, there's tons of people in here, though. That might be what Well, that's what why does they do it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's why they do it. It's a really great spot to come and hang out with us or come and hang out by yourself if you'd like anytime. And they have an awesome brunch on the weekends as well. Jake, is this your beer? Ah, well, thank you. So, you. You didn't forget about me. <laughs> Very nice. So how can we forget about you? The fabulous Jake McGregor is here with us today. Who's uh, in a band called McGregor, I believe, which is That's right, not yeah. hard to understand where McGregor. the name comes from. <laughs> well, you, well, well with the last a, name. Can you do a Scottish accent? Um, not very well, but well, we don't mind if it's bad. Uh, McGregor. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> have you been practicing that? No, I haven't, <laughs> but I have been uh, learning about. Uh, the UFC sport oh, and yeah, Conor right. McGregor is the star of UFC. What does UFC stamp? Ultimate Fighting oh Corporation, I think. Really? It's a club. It's so a really corporate corporate club. <laughs> Sam, you're th- so, you, so you're the bass player in the band called McGregor, right? Yes, Sam? I am. Do you know anything about uh, UFC? No. Uh, they so fight in not, a cage, the octagon. You're not, it's in an octagonal mm. shaped cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting go. idea. Yep. Well, sides Andrew pain. Duhon's back here as well. Hey, yeah. Andrew. Hey, man. You watch a bit of UFC? Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a few uh, matches, yeah. Okay, Ryan Fertel's here as well. Yeah, were you watching UFC? No, no, I don't like... I don't want to watch fighting in a cave or a cage or anything. <laughs> not a <laughs> cave's cool. <laughs> caves are all right. Do you, do you have a TV? I do. What, what channel is this on, this UFC? I've never seen it either. I, I think you, uh, it's a lot of pay-per-view. Oh, yeah, yeah. You pay for it. You pay a billion-dollar industry. Well, you know, to rent really? the cave is a lot, you know. It's, yeah, it's someone's got to cover uh, the cave. Yeah, they got to cover the cave. <laughs> and Sophie Lafayette is here, one of our listeners from around the yes. world. Hey, Sophie, welcome to New Orleans. Thank you very much. Sophie normally listens to us on uh, at home in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Yeah, by the podcast. Right. Oh. So we mm-hmm. met Sophie when she wrote to us and said, I'm a listener. And, uh, nice. And she finally, she loves New Orleans, right? And mm-hmm. finally made mm-hmm. it here after all these years. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So how is it shaping up compared to your image of what you thought it was going to be like? It's pretty close to what I thought it would be like. I guess you saw so the pictures, so, you know, it's yeah. going to look, look like that. Got a little <laughs> bit prepared for it, yeah. 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 What, what, what made you fall in love with New Orleans from the beginning? Um, it's just kind of like something that's grown over time, whether it's the music or the food. Or Which one was Random it? interactions with, I don't know, books. Um, it's just something that's grown, and then it's just... But how did it start, Snowballed. Though? Um... I, mean, I where, don't know. Like where, my the, where did the obsession begin? Well, the obsession. I don't know at what point it kicked over to an obsession. Because <laughs> all of us are interested and we all look at, you know, online and we see stuff about other countries and other mm. cities. And I mean, I saw stuff about Dar es Salaam when you told me you lived there, but I didn't think about moving there. No. Mm. Well, I think the thing is there's so many dynamic, different elements to the city that it's, it's just got such a rich and diverse, you know, there's, there's so many things that seem to have come from here or people that come through here kind of link everything together mm. and yeah. then the more you see that the more you see the different links um, so it just seems like a place I mean I also like places that aren't too they're a little bit frayed around the edges as well well and said mm-hmm. this I is think that, that kind of qualify. place <laughs> so where did you start out where were you born uh, in uh, New Zealand in like, Auckland okay so you're born in Auckland New Zealand yep. and then you moved to the UK when I was 10 right that um, was a bad move right there well yeah that's the wrong direction <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've been back, I went back there in March and left. You and still I'm, sound kind of British, actually. Yeah, but then there's a few things I say that are like a New Zealand twinge. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. A few words. Well, like, and then you move from the UK to, then, to Tanzania. No. no, not even. No. <laughs> then I moved to Norway, and then I moved Norway. to Tanzania. Nice. Um, That's a hell of a strange move from Norway to Tanzania. What were you doing in Norway? Um, I just knew people there, and I'd been there, and it 
you know, I had the chance to go. I was only there for six months. Um, which That's long yeah. enough, right? Yeah, I think so. So yeah. a couple of postcards. Yeah. Yeah. Did you try sardines? I did. Mm, a lot of sardines. Yeah, a lot of fish. A lot of, a lot of fish, a lot of potatoes. Yeah. Pickled fish in the jars, yeah. right? Yeah, the lutefus. Have you been there like as well, Jake? Uh, I have never been to Norway, but I've been to Sweden a couple of times. And a couple th- of They're times. neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm checking <laughs> on that. <laughs> Why have you been a couple of times to Sweden? Um... I met a Swedish girl in high school. I knew school. it was going to be that. I don't even know why I asked that question. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I went there to see her and her family a couple of times, and then mm-hmm. it faded out. But still, um, a very much a, an admirer of the country. Was she a bikini model or anything like that? Or no. Like lingerie no, model? No. But she had blonde a hair. winter coat model. Winter coat <laughs> Sam. She, so you met her in high school, did you say? Yeah. What high school is this? Here? Uh, no, I went to high school in Los Angeles. Oh, you're from L.A.? Yes. Okay. Well, I guess Swedish people moved to Los Angeles, maybe. Yeah, well, she was visiting um, some of her family friends, and then I ended up being their tour guide for a couple of days. And at first, I didn't want to be the tour guide, and then I, I met her and very much wanted to be things the changed. tour guide. Yeah, things Where changed. did you take them to in L.A.? What was your favorite oh, we got, spots? Well, we got tacos all over the city, and, um, <laughs> okay. and then we went to Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard, and... Uh, it was love so at who, first sight. Really? So who yeah. were you? Who were you escorting around? Her family as well as her? Yeah, her her dad, who was a, a Waldorf school teacher in Sacramento for the majority of his life. Um, he was born in Germany and um, moved his whole family to Sweden and had there had the kids in Sweden. Um, wow! And so that she actually didn't live in Sweden when you met her. Oh, she did. She, she did. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But her dad so, was well acquainted with California. So and, how did you get the job of being the tour guide? Well, who was the mutual friend? Oh, it was my mom. And my mom was a, a student of her dad in the third grade. So he's an older dad. Yeah, I'd say so. He was your mom's teacher? Mm-hmm. And he could have also been your father-in-law? That would have been strange. Yeah, yeah. Well, how old is he, like 90? Yeah, I think Carl's like 76 now. Okay. Yeah. Hmm, that's an interesting way to meet yeah. A, g- a girlfriend with her entire Over, family. Overseas relationship, long yeah, distance. Long a lot distance. of uh, a lot of dropped Skype calls. Hmm. Now they Skype's a lot better, but at the time it was always hard to. Yeah, if they'd got Skype working before. better earlier, Microsoft, you might still be together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever thought about that? What, Skype. <laughs> what <Hey>, way? <we're> Skype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can sue Microsoft for that. So you're wearing a T-shirt that says Taco Joint as well. You like love tacos or something? Yeah, and I'm, I'm totally branded with the tacos. I have a Mexico hat that I'm actually not wearing today, but um, my taco shirt. I like going to, to Mexican food restaurants. Where do you eat tacos here? Where do I go here? That's a great question. That, yeah, okay, man, the uh, pressure's on. Yeah. Um, so Natalie, who sings with us, she's not here tonight, right now, but we had a practice the other day at the Fountain Blue Rehearsal Studios and um, went down Carrollton to La Reconcita, um, which is next to Taqueria Guerrero, in that little mid-city that's strip that near Felipe. That's the bar next door to it. Yeah, it's the right. bar with the... Well, Ryan heavy. knows a lot about food. He's a food writer and historian, right? I know some about Doctor, food. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor well, Fertel, to you, by the way. <laughs> Have you been there before? The, I have. Yeah, yeah. It's I, good, like, huh? I like going in the winter. They do this uh, Oh wow. This seafood soup. Maybe they sell it all year round, but I, I, yeah, I think it's very perfect in the winter. And they sell some fresh tortillas on the side, and you dip them in, and it's... It's full of things. I don't even know where, where it comes from and what sea or what it is, but it's finny things. Yeah. Octopusy things. Yeah. <laughs> this Octopus-y. is at La Reconcita. <laughs> Local. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bar, right? It's not a restaurant, actually. Well, I don't it's know the, the difference bar. between the restaurant and the bar. They're well, La Guerrera is the restaurant. Oh, sure. Okay, so La Guerrera. They're, they're not connected, are they? They're not connected, mm-hmm. no. So can you get food at the bar? Yeah, yo, yeah. you can get food. And, I mean, it's, it is a, it's a bar bar, first and foremost. Right. And it's a sports bar, and they have... Um, they have three different flat screen TVs and they, they huh. play all of the soccer games and everything. Have some really cool decor up on the walls. Is the UFC on? Uh, no, no, no. Unfortunately, <laughs> no. I didn't get Other to see that's my guy. Pretty good though. So, are you talking about the same place, Ryan? Is that this place that I has might this be thinking about the place next door. La Guerrera. Yeah, La Guerrera. Yeah, they're very confusing. It's weird that they'd that's be. That's my joint. That's Is where that you go? Joint? That's yeah. my spot. All right. Yeah. yeah. How often would you go there? Oh, um, not enough, you know. <laughs> Just trying to make ends meet. It's mostly white bread and bologna these days. Yeah, I'm just kidding. When you can, I do. I do love that spot. I do love that spot, but I, I kind of want to know about another spot 
Anybody Another else Mexican got some spot. Mexican spots in town that they? Uh, yeah, come on, Mr. Taco. They highly regard. Reconcita. That's the one next door. <laughs> That's next door. Yeah. What about somewhere else? I think I think we have to leave town. We have to go to Jefferson. Are, yeah, Paris. you're right. You yeah. got to leave. Chances yeah. are Not there's really. some family uh, going on or something. The menus, you know, there's something. There's there are threads, uh, you know, in between that are linked. Uh-huh. So, I feel like you have to go elsewhere to, to try something new. Well, Ryan, aren't you like a doctor of food? I'm a, I'm a, I have a PhD. I w- I'm not a, <laughs> and I and eat, you're a food. and I eat food and I write about food. But uh, yeah, I can't, I can't call myself diagnose this food. food. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. What's, your what's P- wrong with it? What's the PhD in? In uh, in history. A history of what? I wrote I wrote my dissertation on it was a history of uh, literature in Louisiana in New Orleans Creole literature in New Orleans. Oh, okay, so that's not. But you write mostly about food. I write mostly about food. I get paid to write about food mostly. What write you, about other things. What do you like to write about? Food, obviously. I like to write about anything. Really? Sure. Yeah, but but food was a was an uh, was an entree into writing. I I come from a food family. It felt easy. Maybe I knew the right people to to, right. to beg and plead. So for. now your family owned Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Yes. So who who in your family owned it? My grandmother was Ruth. Your grandmother was Ruth Fertel. She yeah. is super That's famous. Cool. She yeah she was. She was super famous. She and she felt mildly famous when when she was around. She passed away in 2002, and um, she was great. But she was just she was my grandmother. Right. To me, I remember as like the the woman who she loved to to read mystery novels all night long. <laughs> Did she really? Yeah. Huh. What's Did the so that it's called Ruth's? Yeah. Chris. Yeah. What is that? What is it? With a it's kind of a weird name. So yeah. So she was uh, she was a young woman when she bought. A existing steakhouse on the corner of uh, Ursulines and Broad Street mm-hmm. in 1965. Mm-hmm. That restaurant was called Chris Steakhouse Got or it. Chris's Steakhouse. Yeah. And um, something happened in the 1980s. She wanted to open up another location down the street that eventually became the sole location. Mm-hmm. And uh, she needed to change the name, but she didn't want to get rid of the Chris. So mm-hmm. she called it Ruth's Chris. Yeah. Is it some sort of copyright? It was, it was, there was some legal stuff going on, I believe, um, and also she didn't, she kind of built her name on someone else's name who she didn't know. She just happened to, to purchase she, this I love that. This is great history. Like, I feel like you guys should That's put that on the door, you guys. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I would love to see it on the door. I, I tell, like, the Gasa Gasa spot, I don't know if you guys check out that venue down the street, yeah. but... So good uh, they named it twice. You know, yeah, you know, nobody knows what Gasa Gasa means. If they told me, and I forget, but you, if they put that on the door... <laughs> It's interesting, you know. It's uh, Japanese. Uh, gasa, gasa. What are they But the door of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse now know. is uh, it's a health clinic or something. Like that. The uh, yeah, the one I grew up in here. Um, right. I partly grew Which up in. Which is ironic. Here. Now it's now it's right now it uh, yeah it helps people with with heart disease and diabetes in the neighborhood, which is a great yeah it's a beautiful thing. I guess they they got heart disease and diabetes from eating Maybe there, and from now they can go back to the, the clinic. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Where are they? But now, so they sold. Who sold the chain? Because it's. It's not owned by your family anymore. No, right? so before she passed away, she sold it to this, like, evil conglomerate in Chicago. Oh, I see. So, which, which was uh, the right move. Like, it was, it was, uh, it was a good thing to do. You didn't want to take it over? No, I mean, I was a kid. I, I, oh, I, yeah. was, I was in high school and then the college. The Death Star's college, got so. cash, man. But it was, so. yeah. <laughs> it's a super Death Star type of corporation, <laughs> and I hope they're not listening. But, it, and, um, but they've kept, kept things relatively the same. I eat there maybe once every two to three years. I mean, it's not... A place I go. I, I stopped. I, I kind of stopped eating or kind of desiring that meat? sort of food. Meat. Right. Yes. <laughs> that, well, whole, the that whole steakhouse thing where like the plate's super hot and they warn you like plate's sure. super hot, but then you forget and you touch it. Why the plate? Why do you? Why do you gotta have a plate that's so fucking hot? You know. <laughs> I mean. You know what it was? No, it was not. It had nothing to do with the food. It was someone figured out. It was purely butter a- advertisement. Oh, and really? so one day they said. Well, they were doing it anyway, so they were heating up these plates, and they'd throw a big pad of butter on it, and yeah. that's how they'd send it to the table. Mm-hmm. And then one day they said, um, you know, we have to, this thing is like sizzling, and when people hear it in like the dining room, and I was a busboy when I was a kid, when I was 15 years old, uh, for a few years, uh, in the one in Lafayette where I grew up, and, um, and someone figured out that you can sell that sizzle. So in the 80s, mm-hmm. they recorded, they put a mic sizzle. on a plate, oh, yeah. and it was, you couldn't <laughs> listen to, to Rush Limbaugh of all things, he was like their big sponsor, mm. and Rush Limbaugh every like half hour would like play that sizzle, and during Saints games he would play that sizzle, and everyone would know like, oh, we need we need to go get an, an, a, a steak wow, from the steakhouse. Yeah. 
Huh. Did you ever hear that on Rush's show? Anybody? <laughs> 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 Sophie, you ever listen to Rush Limbaugh no, on your travels around Norway? No, I avoid that, if at all possible. Oh, it's very possible. I've never gone out of my way to listen to that guy. <laughs> but that must have sold a lot of steaks. That's your steak-eating crowd, I guess. Is the yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The conservative crowd is the steak-eating crowd. Yeah, it's it's your fat white people. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so now the chain is all over the country. Yeah, all over the world. It's yeah. all around the world. Yeah. Wow. So was it all around the world? Did your grandmother do that? Did she set them up everywhere? Yeah, well, it was she it was mediums. She was. She was. A, she was an amazing woman. She was. A, she opened it as a as a single mom with two kids. And um, what happened to her husband? But God, he, he must be kicking himself. He well, he, <laughs> he was until he passed away. Uh, he was a he was a weirdo. He was one of the great like New Orleans eccentrics. He might actually be more interesting than her, which is nothing I'd say publicly. But <laughs> <laughs> thank God, no. no but his name, was, my grandfather, show. my grandfather's name was his name was Rodney, and um, he was he was one of these great weirdos in town. He ran um, uh, four times for mayor of New Orleans mm, wow. under a, a single platform. Uh-huh. Which was? And this was through the 70s and 80s. This might work. Single platform yeah. to get a gorilla in the Audubon Zoo. <laughs> oh. Wow. And so if you wow. go, if you go to the Audubon Zoo today, there's a plaque like in his name for the two gorillas. He, he eventually like raised enough money. And he said if I garner you know, like 100 votes or whatever. And he, he raised enough money, he bought two gorillas from Thailand. From Holy this shit. Day. And then what somebody shot name? them. No, they're still there, I bet. <laughs> no, what, they're what, fast. What's his name? <laughs> his name was Rodney, Rodney Fertel. Rodney Fertel. I'm going to write the down because... All right, wait. So my question is, you know, I feel like a steakhouse... You know, you got your red meat. You hope yeah. that you have high-quality red meat, mm-hmm. and you put it on a grill. But you know, and then you got your sides, your gratin and whatnots. Yeah. You what got your makes, knife and fork. Don't forget yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What oh, makes you napkin? <laughs> napkins, holiday sauce. You know, yeah. garlic bread. Holiday what what, what makes <laughs> Ruth's Chris thing so so important? Like, why do you need to globalize this steakhouse? I mean, how did it get to be so big? How did it get yeah. to be so big? So, so uh, the, what made yeah, the well, part of it was yeah, part of the, the was part of this was the sizzle, this marketing. I mean, they sold prime beef, which was better beef than a lot of other places were selling. Uh-huh. Um, and also, it was a name. Once something beco- you know, it gets so big, yeah. uh, it it has the you know the potential to explode. And that's right, what right. happened around the time, I believe. I mean, I stopped paying attention at some point. Uh, once she sold the business, and now it's 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 you know it's in Dubai and Hong Kong. And, and the name the is such a mystery in itself. That and the name dogs. is interesting. Yeah. So um, who got all the money? Did you manage to get some? None. <laughs> no. You're from the Lafayette branch of the family. So <laughs> yeah. who inherited Christmas who parties got all the cash? shit though? So she has she has two sons. So they got sons. all the money. Yeah. So well, no, 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 no. She, there was also, <laughs> hey. there was also, it was, it was. Uh, I mean, it, when she sold it, it was a corporation with a lot of people who That's had had their hands in the pot, like okay. for a long time, who had helped her. I mean, she. Um, but it's gets, not a publicly traded company. No, though, so well, it is now. It is. Yeah. Okay. But she, when she sold it, she owned it with some other people, I guess. But yeah. But yeah, and there were lo- and there were a lot of franchises. I mean, she owned. You know, if there were, I don't know, sixty when she passed away. Let's say there, I don't know how many there were. Um, the corporation that she was right. maybe uh, owned a third of those, a fifth of those. I don't know the exact numbers. Well, it sure is interesting. It would be good to know how to make something simple so popular. We right, could, that t- is, we that could is totally amazing. do it with a taco. Well, we yeah. all try, right? Yeah, I mean, we all, but no one actually pulls it off hardly. That's why she's famous. Yeah, sure. I find what it. about a taco? How could we? What could we do with a taco, Jake? Mm. To, to make it famous? Yeah, how could we make a huge amount of money out of a taco? You know a lot about tacos, right? Well, the, I mean, the new thing with these tacos, and I, and I don't know East if you've tacos. all been to, <laughs> been to um, like Austin or places where they have the breakfast taco. Then they have other places where you can get a gourmet taco with things in it that um, anyone who was around when the taco was invented would be completely foreign to. I'm going to show you guys something right uh, now. But it's pretty yeah. wild what you can do now. Can Dessert tacos. I mean, look at Taco Bell. Like they have the, the breakfast cinnamon taco. Okay, I just took a photo of this today at Whole Food this morning, actually. This is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen, but it certainly is appropriate. Look at that. Sushi yeah. burritos. Yeah. Sushi burritos. Sushi burrito, okay. I Do took a photo of that because it's so insane. Is it a sushi burrito bar you make your own? It's at Whole Foods. That's no, this Whole is Foods? on the deli counter. Well, it sounds kind of like that uh, hand roll that you'll get. It's a hand roll. It's like a it's cornucopia. Well, I'm going to blow it up and see if I can read it. That's going too far. I took a 10, 10.99 tuna and rice with carrots, avocado, cucumber, 
cabbage, spicy mayo, and nori komi spice. I'm not against this. Mm. I'm not. What exactly is that, Ryan? So it's like <laughs> Please filling, tell us. Sushi then, with just in a burrito, yeah, yeah. just sushi and filling. So, and, and you're taking what? huge bites. I thought the whole point of sushi is yeah. you have these like delicate little bites, and you, you, it's a whole process. But mm. that's just like straight up. That's in Louisiana. <laughs> that's just the sickest thing. I mean, thing when you watch when you, when you go to a sushi restaurant and they make the sushi roll, I think it's just before they cut it up, it looks like a burrito, right? Oh yeah. But true. is this, this a burrito? Why wouldn't they just call it a roll? If it's a burrito, is maybe it's in a tortilla. And they wrap it up. Because as you're commuting in your Camry, you need uh, <laughs> the tortilla to keep it's the rice from falling. I guess so. Hey, so listen. Anyway, I'd love to tell you guys uh, also something about Jake McGregor, uh. but. Uh, you're the most enigmatic person who's ever been on the show. This is the oh. this is the bio they sent me about oh, you. Yeah. First of all, there it is, right here, right there, <laughs> a blank piece of paper, and this is Sam Ferguson base. That's also this is what I get, nothing. And I looked online myself. There's not one oh, single thing I did about write you something. on the world. Oh yeah, there's nothing where on the internet. It? Who did you ask about bios? Uh, Christian. Christian. I wrote Christian a long, uh, a long, like very scattered bio, which I'm kind of happy you didn't receive. Now he didn't even send it to me. So you sent it to him. Yeah. But you had to write it though. I had to write it. Yeah. So there's nothing about you on the World Wide Web, even we, though we, you're yeah. an awesome musician. We're trying to ma- maintain this really cool underground vibe yeah. with yeah. our well, music. Congratulations, possibly Google. Yeah. That's the best way to sell <laughs> nice. albums. I was surprised how good you. I'd never heard of you until Christian said we're going to have this guy on the show and sent me the music. It's really fucking awesome. Well, thanks. I'm like, who is this guy? So I look him up. There's nothing about you. Nothing on the internet. Nothing. Not one thing. There's more stuff about Sophie Lafayette. On Can't repeat a first impression, dude. You got to wait to put the right foot forward, I guess. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, um, we are competing with Conor McGregor, the UFC guy. Mm-hmm. If you search mm-hmm. anything, <laughs> McGregor, it's all about Conor. And mm-hmm. there's, there's Could no... Could you get in with him? I've thought about it. I don't really know how to. How you could be his like, pump-up song as he walks into the octagon. Yeah, you could be have his one of our on happy song. Americana yeah. tunes. Yeah, Heavy. get the blood pumping. I how, like f- how famous is he? Is he pretty? Fa- he's really famous. famous. I mean, he gets like eighty thousand likes on a Facebook photo. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, what is he? <laughs> pretty famous. What does he look like? Does he look like he's oh, okay. a lot of sushi burritos? He's a hipster that's gonna eat your heart. <laughs> he's like, like on a mm. plate. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a kicker. He's a Scottish fighter. Yeah. yeah he, wait, he's is this the guy who pops up on my Facebook and it says like, "You won't believe how many steroids Conor McGregor did." I know. I think that's uh, what's his name. Brock Lesnar, that oh, guy. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't know. I so know too much about this stuff. Here's what's interesting about Conor McGregor. Yeah. He looks exactly like the guy that you would imagine you would find at the Irish pub in the 50s or 60s, mm-hmm. who just like does the fighting Irish <laughs> thing, okay. and like, like you know, the guy across from him looks a little more svelte, but he just kind of like gracefully, gracefully, like his feet are feathers, and then he just one little swing and. And the guy is out across from him. It's yeah. beautiful, man. The guy is amazing. It's am- He's his an whole, artist. His whole fighting strategy is just come out of the gates, um, What's swinging the basically, and, and his co- the confidence and like w- what he does on social media is just over the top. Um, as far as like like criticizing his opponents before matches, yeah. and just and you're supposed to kind of like fist bump before a match. He'll, oh, just, right. he'll just flip you right off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so Irish. Yeah, yeah. So he's, like, but he's Scottish actually, right? Or um, is he Irish? He, he's Irish. Irish. Yeah. He's Irish. Yeah. He says after matches, uh, or his line that I thought was was nice was, "I'm gonna get this wrong. Let's see." He said, uh, 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 "Timing beats," or he said, uh, sp- mm, "What did he say? Timing beats speed." And oh, do you know what I'm talking about? No, but oh, it's, this it was is so good. Yeah, it's uh, it's two little deals. Uh, mm, um, timing well, we beats probably, quickness, we could, and uh, we yeah, we Google could look it. this up. Precision yeah. beats strength, something like that. You yeah, know? and he basically, has he just to, knows exactly where on your cheek to hit you to knock you right the fuck out. He also out. lost really gracefully recently. He, he did lo- uh, he, he lost. Amazing, uh, he lost his first match, match very recently, and okay. uh, you know, in my opinion, he was doing exactly what he does. You know, just kind of. Methodically hitting this guy in the right spot, and this is and fighting with no gloves and no pads. Uh, no, you, and you, get a, you get a little bit of a glove, yeah. It's not barely knuckles. anything. Yeah. And, yeah. and when it goes to the ground, it's you're using your knees on on mm-hmm. people's faces. So yeah. it's, it's it's straight up street fighting. Yeah, it's, this is it's such very a, primal. octagon. This is yeah. such a good example yeah. of our marketing strategy, which is 
horribly counterproductive because every time our name comes up, we, it devolves <laughs> into a discussion of Conor McGregor, <laughs> his right, various right. merits, and why he's such a badass. Yeah. And, well, yeah. so, the, you know, That's seeing great. that nobody knows you from a hole in the ground, why don't you change the band's name to something else? Like Mi- Kanye. We have so many ideas. Right? Like Kanye. <laughs> Good idea. Well, um, Maybe we will, and and if there's a time to do it, it's probably in the infancy stage yeah, where we are right, right now. Right now, what about taco? Ta- taco joint. Oh, come taco on, man. joint. Taco it's boy. Get better than that. Well, uh, we could do better than that, but that was just the first stab at it. What else? Know. What else are you thinking of for a name? But taco's not going to get you any better Google search. You know, you got to no, get something too really. Too, yeah. You What's know. your middle name? Do you have a middle name? Hammer. Good God. He he. It says his name is Hammer. Hammer. Is Hammer. Right? Hammer. It's my mom's maiden name. My mom grew up in a house of. Um, of women. No, she See, grew up with four. I kind of like <laughs> Hammer McGregor. It sounds like Conor McGregor, just like Gnarls Barkley is cool. You know? Hammer McGregor's kind of Hammer awesome. McGregor. Hammer McGregor. What about Hammer? I don't know I mean, what to expect when I go to that show, <laughs> though, you know? <laughs> That's true. What about just ha- you know, uh, Hammer Time? I mean, no one will remember that. All these words we're using are, like, super cool and badass, but when you hear our songs, <laughs> yeah. here and here. Well, yeah. Um, right. Well, ma- maybe we'll need to re-strat well, it. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah, you want to play something? Because that's what got us and fell in love with you in the first place is the music. And the well, fact that you have a Swedish girlfriend was also a selling point. But, <laughs> but the music is the main thing. Let's hear something. Sure. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll, so we'll go uh, grab those instruments and I'll, I can keep these guys talking in the meantime. Okay. Okay. Sophie, how are you enjoying it so far? Good, so far. All right. Yeah. We need to, as soon as we get to come back from, the, from this yet-to-be-named band playing this music, currently called McGregor. We have to hear about what you're actually doing here. Sounds good. Other than if I can explain it. I'm it's thinking complicated. It's complicated. That's how we like it. Yeah. Start off with some complicated. Okay. So I think you're going to get a surprise when you hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. You, I was really amazed how good this is. I don't want to oversell it just in case they suck. But, you know, they, I hope they won't. And they're, they're called McGregor. I think the name of the band is McGregor. It's the two of them, and there's a really awesome f- uh, female singer and a drummer. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It's really cool. Okay, so. How do you want to? Do you want to sit down and? Yeah. Okay. And then we've got the bass covered over here. Do you sing as well, Sam? You're not singing. Uh, no. no. Okay. So just sit on down there, Mr. McGregor. You might want this. <laughs> oh, you want that? Hang on. Well, this is. Uh, this is about as intimate as it has ever been. I know, this is a, at a, very at a small un- table. It's a very unnerving way to play, I know. So tell us a little bit about what you can do. Uh, well, this song is, um, it's, a, it's just a, it's kind of a country pop song. Um, but it, it has, it's meaningful, it's meaningful to me, and it, it just certainly was the time when I wrote it. And it's called Why Should We Wait? <clears throat> And uh, I joke because uh, I think if if ever I could meet Taylor Swift and try to like pitch a song to her, like I'd try to pitch this one, and she could take it and like turn it into a, a super produced pop song that would probably sound nothing like it will when we play it right now. Can you hear this? Card came from the future. One that I know better than to read But I hope it says we're married And live in Tennessee My downfall slid between us So you put it on the shelf Now I'm trying to get it down Without it falling in my face With the weight of someone else Wanna be the guy on the corner if you show up Waiting on a love in a pickup truck Why should we wait for it to break again? You found me asleep at the party With my eyes turned cherry red I went and let loose with the neighbors And your words ran through my head Go on and act like a child And try to shoot out the sun 
But don't lay around here like it's some kind of prison yard And say you got no room left to run I wanna be the guy on the corner if you show up Waiting on a love in a pickup truck Why? Okay, what did you think? Did I ever sell it? Yeah, no, it was great. Isn't that great? great. Sophie, what did you yeah. think? Okay, Ryan. I loved it. Hey, thanks. Are you, are you, are you gonna, do you play shows here? Yeah. We do. Yeah. We, uh, we're playing at Gasa Gasa this Saturday. Nice. We're playing with a, a band called Star and Might See. They're from. Oh, yeah. Oh, from those guys are yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, have you played too. with them before, Andrew? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is a special thing for me and Sam. We've, I've seen Andrew's band play a number of times. And, like, this is really the first time meeting him, but it's. it's uh, it's a pleasure to, to play right in Back front of you, your man. face. I will make Andrew play something for you in a minute. <laughs> Star and Micey yeah. are an awesome band from Tennessee. Are they from Memphis or somewhere? They are from Memphis, yeah. Yeah, Which they're really, really plan. great band. You're from Memphis too, Sam? Yeah. Do you like Memphis? Can I put this down? Yes. And then answer that question. Sure thing. <laughs> well, that was cool. So there's certain people when you just hear them play, you just kind of, they just got it. Got Yeah, right? little got, you know, got it. I think yeah. also there's people you hear play and you're like... <clears throat> You just don't got it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> but this, I heard this stuff, and I think, yeah. man, this guy's got Intangibles. something going on. Intangibles. Right? What is that? What like, you know, is that? What is it? Just like, you know, like they get something, like some purity of an, an element of musicality that exists. Well, you know? I have my own theory, but you don't agree with me. What is my your theory? theory is that it's real. Re- yeah. There's something yeah, yeah. genuine well, about it. Why do you think I don't get, why do you think I don't agree? Oh, I think agree? you've always disagreed with me when no I've said way. that before. In <laughs> fact, there's bands, there's bands, well, all right, here's where I do disagree with you. Some bands... You say are great, and I think aren't real. So there's that. Well, you know. I'd love this to isn't hear an one, obviously, but you know. What's a band that you? you I, I'm not going to do that. I think that. it's great that aren't real. I can't think of Who, one. But bands that you overcompliment and just say they're awesome. They're just they're great. What they're are you going to do? You know. And then like behind you go like oh to your friend like they fucking suck. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I don't think you can say fuck. It's it's all so, so subjective, and you got to like. Well, you used to say they sucked when you were in high school, but then you grew up and you realized that art is subjective, and you can't do that shit. You know, you just. Well, then why do, we, why do we agree that certain people are great? I think it's good to what talk about it because it is so subjective that you want to know what's hitting other people, so you want to know what to give a second look because it is important to you because art, is, it, it, I feel like uh, our, our souls are starved of art with this social media world that we're living in. So when you do find something you believe in, you want to you disseminate it like, like you're an evangelical Christian mm-hmm. for this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I feel like there's too few things that I'm evangelical about artistically, you know, so I do look for them. I scavenge, you know, the... Yeah, you want to tell can, everybody you know? that you found this great band yeah, called McGregor, yeah. and you got to hear this. And to any degree, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know. But Just I think, what, you, what, what, what makes you like something? Sophie, what, do you, what resonates with you? I don't know. I think it's, some, it's hard to put your finger on it, but it's something that goes deeper than... I don't know. Makes you feel feelings. Yeah. And supersedes, uh, supersedes like the situation that you're in mm-hmm. as well. Do you feel okay. like w- once like a lot of other people start catching on to what you like, then it starts you start to sort of feel like I got to find something else. No, not at all. Like you're cool with yeah, yeah liking something that a lot honest, of other people like. I would rather if there's something that resonates with me, I want ev- like you're saying evangelical. Right. I want everybody else to 
get it because if it's touching me, I think other people would enjoy it too. I, you know, I think it's funny is like uh, the thing I see most by accident, not on purpose on TV, is America's Got Talent. You <laughs> just flip through and you see this, and America does have talent, but none of that stuff will move you. I'm not going to say none of it. Um, Ooh, but the a magic lot of that tricks. Stuff, you know, Ooh. a lot of that <laughs> stuff won't move you. It's entertainment. It's not art. It's like dance. Like, I want to see America's Got Soul. America's Got Heart. You know, like I want to see. Show. Yeah, I want to see somebody who's got something to say or some feeling that they're emoting, you know. And uh, and I think that's what we're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. if, if somebody came and they played licks that it takes a long time to master, we'd say, oh, you you are talented. But when you see somebody, you Just know, like, emote a feeling genuinely and nakedly in front of us, you know, without uh, 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 being yeah. paid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, without being paid, it's a nice thing, and you know, it's a yeah. Okay, Ryan, do you got anything to add to this before we move on? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, okay. you know, real, I don't, I don't. Know. I think it's real. I think it's when someone, something is genuine, that someone is expressing something that's in themselves, of themselves, whatever it is, whether it's cage fighting or singing or... I do agree, though. Real is, is real too is objective for mm-hmm. the subjective thing we're talking about. What do you say? What is it? It's, uh, it makes you feel things. So what is that? It's expressive. It's... Uh, it's a genuine. You, there's nothing you between. Felt something. There's nothing know. between the person and the receipt of what they're giving you. So mm-hmm. there's no artifice, like you're saying, like a I, super guitar player. But you know what? I, you know what? The funny thing about that is, I feel like you can see it in modern art. That there is there's a faith that a modern artist puts into their medium that they know that there is something in between whatever they were feeling and what you're gonna feel. It's just the. The, the, the faith that you will feel something. You don't have to feel the same thing. You don't have right. to get it. You well, know? That's, I agree mm-hmm. with that. You don't have to feel the same thing the creator was, was thinking of when he or she created it. Mm-hmm. But it makes you feel something. Like, I don't know what that song was about, mm-hmm. even really. I mean, yeah. Sweden, Maybe, I suppose. What is that? Like, but you can, you can listen to somebody play and think, they're not playing for me. They're playing for them. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. like Derek Trucks. <laughs> Derek Trucks I, melts my face, dude. Don't you say that about Derek Trucks, brother. That man will melt my well, face right off. I have one thing to say about Derek Trucks, and he lacks the underdog quality that I root for in musicians where everything he turns out is like, it's soulful, but it's like factory soulful. Uh-huh. Like every freaking, like every yeah, solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's God-like, in, yeah. and I love yeah. him. <clears throat> but yeah, I prefer somebody who like starts a solo, and you're like, okay, yeah. And then, like, he kind of falters a little bit, or she falters a little bit, and then they pick it up, and they, like, beat your expectations, and you're like, yeah, it's Yeah, because in America, we love the underdog. Yeah, I'm all about that. (laughs) You don't want some successful little punk kid to be an awesome guitar player. You want him to be sort of not that great, but surprise you. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, that says more about you. I guess it's just, it's like, there's seen a sense of vulnerability. In, in the person, mm-hmm. um, so and that's so, like the solos are such a microcosm of this whole music, thing we're yeah, talking I, about. It's I'm, like, I'm a, like such a jazz like nerd. That tiny like moment a, that this person is like, oh, here's my thing, and then like <laughs> even the selfless person is going to tighten up and try to really bring it. When really all anybody wants to hear, like you said, is just them give you something musical, anything. Yeah, you know, just be easy, go easy, go go, uh, you know, naturally. What is that? Like, sound I'd rather like, listen know? to like. BB King bend one note. That's it. Then listen to like yeah. Steve Vai play like oh, yeah. 67. Okay, well, how Stevie Ray Vaughan even? The guy had soul, but I don't need all those notes. You well, know? what's the yeah. explanation for that? Why would you rather hear BB King play one note? What is that all about? I because I think for me it's just because like I do like play guitar and I can relate to like what it feels like to bend a string. But when you hear someone else do it and like you hear like the but little he's, subtleties, he's it, putting something into that. He is. Of himself, somehow. Yeah. That he's got some talent or some ability to make you feel whatever he's doing mm. by pushing a guitar string up the neck of a guitar, whereas I could do exactly the same thing. Yeah. But somehow, you believe he it means just it. doesn't come and out. May, and maybe it's, it's coupled with like knowing what he looks like, knowing what his stage banter maybe. is, knowing what like his, his history is. Mm. And, like, I just think you can heal the, hear the sureness in somebody's But you can hear so it too. You know? I don't think you need to know all that. But maybe, maybe you, you don't know what you bring uh, to it that you yeah, don't subconsciously, think. Subconsciously, like, yeah, what are you actually right. influenced by? Who's going to play some uh, nondescript background music for me right now? I mean, I can, but... <laughs> Do you want to play some nondescript background for me? I, I'd like to. Hear, I'd like. To, I'd prefer Andrew. Yeah, too. but this right. is just while well, I read. Only, these only if it's really nondescript. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be really nondescript. Okay, Sophie. Well, and, oh, Andrew's got it right here. Okay, so this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna uh, tell you who brought the show to us today, and then we're gonna talk about what, exactly what Sophie Lafayette does, which is 
Hard, hard to understand. <laughs> Complicated. So thank you very much to these people who made today's show possible or are making it possible as we speak, actually. Uber. If you find yourself a few drinks in and you need a ride home, Uber is the smartphone app that connects you with a ride at the tap of a button. Do you have the Uber app, everybody here at the table? That's how I got here. That's how you got here. Okay. Well, it's it's no good to you. It has. To, this is only for people who don't have the Uber app yet. So if you know anybody in the world, tell them this. That um, if you download the Uber app on your phone, go to either the iPhone uh, App Store or the Google Play Store on Android, and uh, download the app and write Happy Hour Nola in the promotions section of the app, you'll get a free ride up to $20, courtesy of Uber and us here at Happy Hour. Thanks to the Basic Swimming Gym. That's a place where you can get a full range of fashion swimsuits. Pay attention, boys, because this is something you need if you're going back to Sweden. Workout and yoga clothes. Yes. With style, you can get bikinis, one-pieces, cover-ups. Sophie, you ever got a cover-up with you? No. You might need to go down to Basic Swimming Gym and get yourself a cover-up. Everything you need for beach and poolside is at Basic Swimming Gym. It's right across the street from the lingerie store. Basics underneath on Magazine Street, right near Jefferson Avenue. And just a little bit further down Magazine Street, on the other side of Jefferson Avenue, you can go to May's Guitar and Sisters in Christ Record Shop. Have you guys been there? Yeah, where is that? Sisters in Christ. Sisters in Christ and May's Guitar. It's right down Magazine Street, just on the downtown side of Jefferson Avenue. Huh. Across from uh, T. Eber's Praline Shop. Cool. And that's where you'll find thousands of records and books and a huge array of vintage guitars, vacuum tube amplifiers, and effects pedals from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Whether you've never picked up a guitar in your life or you've been playing forever, you're going to find a gym at May's Guitar on Magazine Street. And it's run by our friend James Hayes, you know, from the Lovey Dubbies, if you've ever heard them. Yeah, definitely. That's a great band as well. So check that out. It's on the downtown side of Jefferson Avenue on Magazine Street. And thank you to the Hangover Destroyer, the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent and cure a hangover. Go to the Hangover Destroyer website. It's hdestroyer.com. You write happy hour on the coupon code there, and you'll get 30% off of Hangover Destroyer so that you, too, can seize the dawn. Nondescript background music by Andrew Duhon and his slide <laughs> guitar. Thanks. A little overqualified for this, but... Nice, Andrew, thank you. Reminded me of Derek Trucks for some reason when I heard that. I'm not sure what brought that to mind. Man, that guy's a legend. Okay, so Sophie, it says here in front of me here that you are, that you are working here in New Orleans and you're not just larking around and having well, fun checking out the food and music and getting free drinks at Wayfair. Yeah, you, the last two weeks I've been working. You work remotely for the international... Uh, well, I'm going to say this. Is it data or data? I say data. Data. The Open Data Charter, which is, in case you guys are wondering what that is... It's a multi-stakeholder network that works with governments to make their data open and accessible for anyone to use, reuse, and redistribute. That's right. What does that mean? Is that like WikiLeaks? <laughs> a, a little bit like WikiLeaks, but like oh. more proactive. So the idea is that any data that a government has, it should be already open to the people and everybody to access. So you should be up. You should be able to go to like like a portal and get everything about the government's activities that doesn't like uh, violate privacy. So you should be able to see what, what investments they're making, procurement, statistics about health, education, schools, all that kind of when stuff. When you say should be able to. You should be able to. And that's what Can we're trying you? to do. Uh, no, the problem is now that data is like, it is available sometimes, but you have to do like a freedom of information. It's not that it's not it's that it's hidden, but it's just like all over the place. So the idea is bringing well, it all together. Does that strike you as strange that a government doesn't want people to know what it's doing? Uh, it doesn't surprise me, but the government should be like accountable to the people if the people are the ones paying taxes. So, well, so. I agree. Well, I don't think anybody would probably disagree with that to some extent. But what what's the problem? What? Well, the idea is also like. People, like, with data, you know, there's different ways of formatting it and different people are just, like, not talking to one another, even within, like, the same government. It's not necessarily to, like, highlight where there's a problem, but it's just to make everyone's life easier as well. What, what, what sort of information are we talking about? What would we want to know that our government is up to? Like, procuring what, for example? Uh, whether it's kind of like, um, like, say, a company's register, you know, who owns what company. So, like, all the stuff that was released on Panama Papers, for instance... The idea is that you shouldn't get that information through a leak. It should already be publicly available. Mm -hmm. 
Cause what, it, what was that information? That was about what exactly? Um, basically, like who was investing in companies, tax avoidance, that sort of thing. Um, so, like in the UK, you have a. Well, I'm surprised that's not public knowledge. Tax avoidance. Do you think everybody would want? <laughs> Want well, they, they would, that. but the whole point is that they hide that information. Well, so. Of course they hide that information. Why would you tell someone that you're avoiding paying taxes? Do you tell people that? No, if I was avoiding taxes, I probably wouldn't. Everybody <laughs> avoids paying taxes as far as they can get away with but it. But it's, it's not so much focused on the people. It's focused on what the government's doing. So it's like it, it's just about well, kind of accountability. taxes. Yeah. yeah. So that's not of any great interest because the government's just trying to get taxes out of people. But what are you talking about? You're talking about like the government's procuring... Like it's making a deal with, with Halliburton or something. If yeah, or, or like, you know, if a government has like a, a tender out, if they're going for the same company repeatedly or they, they haven't got a process there, you know, even just, even if it's all above board, people should be able to kind of look and find out that information and, and see what's going on. Um, that's kind of the idea. So that's what you do for a living? Well, I support that project. So I do kind of mostly kind of communications and sort of a little bit of project management of that. So the project I'm on is like this international, it's a combination of governments and non-profits that are sort of working to, towards this goal. What do you do, say, when you leave here and you've got another couple of hours of work to do before you go out? What do you actually do? Um, it's a lot of emails, um, press, blog posts, social media, liaising with different organizations. Are you putting pressure on governments? Yeah, I mean, different parts, different um, stakeholders in the organization or different members um, are liaising with different governments to kind of get them. So we have this open data charter, and the charter is like a set of principles that a government follows. So when you do get this data, it's all in line and it's all kind of comparable. So. There's different people going to different governments and trying to get them to adopt the charter and then work towards um, hmm. doing this. So you're like an international activist. Yeah, I guess so. so that, that's, a, that's a good title. I think okay, I'll go with that so is somebody going to shoot you or something? <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> well, I mean, are you, are you like one of these enemies of the state? Um, not to my knowledge, no. <laughs> what governments but are we talking about? The United States, for example? Yeah, the United States is moving towards it. They haven't adopted the charter yet, but they're pretty Has any country adopted this charter yet? Yeah, there's um, 12 governments okay. and 13 sub-national governments, so city governments. So what countries have gone for it? Um, the UK, a lot in Latin America, so uh, Mexico, Argentina, the UK. Um, yeah, there's, there's quite a few. Um, hmm. And it's, it's, so they only launched last, we only started last September, so since then... This kind of thing. You've got 12 countries to agree with this charter since last September, and it's only, what is the date now, August? So it's almost July. a year, say. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty impressive, one a month. Yeah, well, we're aiming to have around 30 by the end of the year. So. And who's paying you exactly? Um, well, because it's uh, made up of a number of different governments and organizations, the funding comes from sort of those partner organizations. And how, does, how does someone get a gig like this? How would we get, how'd you get that job? Um, you see an advert online and you That's how you got the job. It. You applied yeah. for it. But I've been, I've been working... When I was in Tanzania, I was working in open data as well. So I have, like, a background in this kind of international activism, mm -hmm. I guess. So. Wow, Qualified. that's a pretty cool gig, isn't it? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you... So are you, are you living here now in New Orleans? No. Well, I'm here in, for two months. So I'm a temporary resident, I guess. And, and have you left Tanzania or are you going back to Tanzania? No, I, I left Tanzania in March. Um, since then, I've been kind of all over the place. Um, I hope I'll go back there at some point, but it's... I mean, for the, for, for the next... At least until the end of the year, I'll be moving around, um, doing all kinds of things. And but, but working on this... Yeah, we're working day. on this. Um, but there's, like, a lot of conferences in Europe in September and October, so I'll be going to those and... I think my favorite part about your job is that you get to say the word liaise. <laughs> which I, I, it's rare that you hear that. A I'm a liaison. I liaise. There's a, cool. there's a lot of words in my job that a normal person wouldn't normally use. There's a lot of like. I can't even imagine what you do, frankly. I mean, you sit there at a computer. She just spent like five minutes. <laughs> do you, yeah, but I mean, do you call, are you calling up people in like, you know, no, like United States government saying, listen here, you've got to adopt this fucking charter. Well, some By of my, Wednesday, my colleagues kind of do that, I guess. Like. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you, you, you do, do it a bit more diplomatically than that. Well, okay. Friggin'. <laughs> so who do you want to win? Trump, right? Because he'd be more open. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Do you take a <laughs> Do you take a position? I have no comment on that. I, I do you take a position? Your what's your company called, or what's the place? It's, Is it called? It's called the Open Data Charter. Open Data Charter is the name of the actual. Of the I guess company is not the right thing. No, it's. Is this it's, an NGO? It's a non. Well, it's a mm -hmm. multi-stakeholder initiative. Multi-stakeholder. Yeah, initiative. So that's kind of where your family comes from as well, right? <laughs> Multi-stakeholder. We held lots of stakes. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I think we need more of those. Uh, that, that might get people what to adopt. The, what are the chances of having two multi-stakeholders <laughs> on the same show? A rarity. Wow. And rare. <laughs> rarity. Rarity. Another, yeah. Medium rare, yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. Okay, well, that's a pretty interesting gig. So if you had no idea, that's yeah, what you're doing. Yeah, it's pretty great. Mm. I like it. Funny like that you're sort of interested in international open data and you love New Orleans. That's a probably the only person in the world. It's uh, quite uh, unique, yeah. yeah. Where is your office? Uh, there You're is no it. office. That's why I'm, I can be here. Is that, that you, work, you yeah. work remotely? Yeah. So everyone that I work with in the, in the project is based in different places, but mm -hmm. I'm like the main person that's traveling around. Do you Skype in to yeah. meetings via There's Skype? A lot of Skype, oh. a lot of Slack, a lot of Slack. Slack. Yeah, we're yeah. using Slack in our office yeah. now too. Yeah. What's Slack like? Um, it's just, it's, a, it's an app. And if you have a company, everybody will have the app, and then everyone just communicates through Slack. And you can send documents back and forth. You can link it to Dropbox, Excel, Gmail, calendars. And it eliminates having to, um, you don't text people, send an email to somebody. You just do it all through it's Slack. One, there's one thing. There's one tool, one program. Yeah, it's, like NASA uses it for their communication amongst can all you talk, yeah. Can you talk to astronauts? You're on Slack. I, hey, I think they limit you. You have to just talk to people you already know. Yeah, it's yeah. Unless you're invited. Yeah. In if which you're in case, the channel. Yeah. They're probably different tiers who, that you can work it? your way up. Do you know anything about who owns it? Uh, it's out of Silicon Valley mm -hmm. for sure. So that's new. You ever heard of that, Ryan? <laughs> I have. I have heard of it. I've never. Yeah, I've only it. heard of it too. But I've never heard of it. I've only heard of it. Never I haven't used no. it. I think it's mostly like tech companies have been using it and then kind of more and more. The idea is that it just replaces email completely. You just have this one place. Well, that's a great idea because no one reads email anymore. Mm. Exactly. That has really, really <laughs> come yeah. to a desperate Dang. situation with the email. <laughs> I don't even know why people send it now. No. Hit me up on Slack, bro. Yeah. Slack. <laughs> yeah, Slack well, me. You're, you're slacking. Slack it is. Andrew, what are you going to play us? I'm going to play a new song if you want. Yeah, we do. Andrew, uh, before you start, what year is that Epiphone? Not as old as you would think. Uh huh. It's, it's, uh, one, it's one of these uh, from the Master Built series, which, uh, uh -huh. man, it's like best bang for your buck if anybody's looking for a guitar really? under 500 bucks. I bought this one from actually the Guitar Center in Metairie because I would go there and buy new strings. GC. And uh, I just picked this guitar because it was the best sounding guitar in there. And, uh, you know, I didn't really want to pay 500 bucks for a guitar in. An Epiphone, you know, and Guitar Center, regardless of how well I it's thought pretty. it sounded. Good, I thought it sounded. But uh, then I got there one day, and there was this crack in it, and I thought, hmm. Um, so I asked one of the guys, you know, what's going on there? And he said, oh, some kid dropped it, so I guess we'll sell it at cost. So what's cost? 250 bucks. So I've been, I bought this guitar for 250 bucks, and I, I haven't played any guitar that I own more than this guitar, and I've paid, you know, Did the crack in it affect the tone of it at all? Uh, you, you would tell. think so. Um, I don't know. I mean, I electrify it. I don't record it Do you it use much. the Dearman or do you use the The, the Dearman I use for slide. The Fishman is going out for a K&K &K very soon, which is like oh, cool. uh, under saddle. What are you guys sorry, we're talking Russian? Yeah, sorry, we're talking yeah, this now. Is a little right, Let's move right on. Yeah. Jesus. All right. What's this called? Uh, this one's called, called Been Gone, I think. It's a, it's a traveling song, I guess. running I took the bee line through the tree line to the cold dead man built this railroad dead man built these holy goals Was it all a dream? 
Okay, Andrew, well, you did it again. What do you think of that, you guys? Really beautiful. I okay. love the bridge. Thanks. Yeah, Appreciate that's, it. That, that's so pretty. Ascending's weird and not folky, but thanks a no, lot. That's cool. No, I love that. <laughs> Just, yeah. Is it hard to like hit that high note? Like when you're, you're doubling the uh, one of the notes on your guitar. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, you know, that like chorus right thing. That chorus is the so most good. troubling part. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I feel like I should double that. Yeah, melodic. there's no way around. You yeah, have you got to do, do it. But it's you know, but you know what I'm learning is I've been playing with this trio, who's you know, two two incredibly consummate musicians. I'm just a songwriter who knows some cowboy chords, but they're pushing me to become more more of a musician. But what I'm learning is as I'm being informed musically, I'm finding music that I'm falling in love with, but then trying to like write words and melodies to it. But that puts you, you know, that regiments and and like puts the, the, the lyric and the melody into a space that's tighter than I've ever had to, you know, try to work it in. So then you end up with this. And you want to put syllables in every one of those things, but you want to say something that means something. It's like, God damn, you know, it's, it's tough work. <laughs> Does it mean that you're improving? That you're doing something with only if more. I write something that's effective. I mean, I well, think well, that was very enchanting. I must say that. Yeah, wasn't I mean, it? yeah, yeah that's great. It was the trance-like almost. Yeah, yeah, I think you know, there's. I think that's because the music is effective, but I think right. the song has to be effective. So, you know, it's about you know who continuing. does that really well. Who's that? Donald Fagan from Steely Dan. Oh Crazy yeah. Crazy long melodies, yeah, yeah. weird harmonic stuff. But yeah, but says long, something, yeah. lots of syllables in the lines, but always yeah. saying something. Yeah. That's now, right. Ryan, you, you you write stuff as well, right? I don't sing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> would you sing? Would you sing it to My us book. today? <laughs> <laughs> what are you writing currently? Uh, I'm well. I just I just came out with a book two months ago, six weeks ago, about uh, 
about barbecue. Um, I wrote a book about barbecue that does not contain one, one recipe in it. And it is a series, it's a first person narrative, it's a series of profiles though also about uh, these, these, um, these men around the south and one in New York City who cook uh, kind of the most real, the most authentic of barbecue art forms and that's whole hog barbecue. And uh, which went on when I went on the road to do the research for the book many years ago. Um, it was kind of this dying right. thing, and uh, it since became it since become very uh, it's popular. It's hip now. There's a couple places in New Orleans that do it, um, but it's about sitting there. So it's this thing that takes 20, 24 hours to cook. These guys um, that sleep next to the barbecue. And they, well, yeah, I mean, if they're if lucky, they if they're lucky, right. they get to sleep. But right. they, they usually just smoke cigarettes and stare into the fire while they watch um, a hog or many hogs, maybe 20, 30 hogs cook at a time. And these are 200-pound animals that they're doing. It's so bad it's, form to flick the butt into the coals, yeah? Yeah, but they do it anyway. They it do it matter. anyway. I love that. <laughs> Some places will dump... Shouldn't say this, but they'll dump like their trash into the fire oh, and then yeah. use that use that fire to shovel under the hogs. Whatever's real. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whatever's they real. slaughter, like kill all the hogs too. Is that part of it? Uh, them? No, no. But they have to deal with slaughterhouses now in America. I mean, or, originally, say going back 50, 60 years or more, they would. A lot of these places would have killed their own hogs, raised their own hogs. Mm. But it's just not possible anymore. Mm. Is it? Do you think it's a good or a bad thing for the book that this was a dying thing and now it's not? Uh, I think it's a good thing. It helped. It helped sell it uh, because I get to um, go to places like Nashville and and Brooklyn and try to sell the book that didn't have this culture before. Mm-hmm. It was it was really isolated in the Eastern Carolinas and in, in one or two very small towns in mm-hmm. western Tennessee. But is this the gentrification of barbecue? Or? Yeah, that's the yeah. answer. Yeah. And the, <laughs> you the, can't like, gentrify barbecue. Well, you can. I, I, I mean, it's, so, it's, so it is, yeah. And that's kind of the, the end of the book is asking that question. Can, mm-hmm. you know, what does it mean when things are gentrified? Or let's talk to the, the person that is being blamed for being the, the gentrifier. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to the guy who owns this, this place in Bushwick, right? It's one of the most kind of mm-hmm. hipstery, gentrified neighborhoods in our country right now, which mm-hmm. is in Brooklyn. Right. And uh, he has a restaurant called Arrogant Swine. His name is Tyson Ho. And I asked him that question, are you a gentrifier? He, he left a tech job on Wall Street to do wow. what he did, and uh, which is cook whole hogs all week long. He's a first-generation uh, Chinese-American. He grew, up, he grew up in Queens, and he says, he told me, um, that he's never felt more American um, than when he cooks barbecue, and that uh, he takes great pride in being challenged by Southerners and people, all types of people who live in New York yeah. and say, this is not your type of food, and mm-hmm. kind of point fingers and mm-hmm. say, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You're not from the Carolinas. This sure. is not your thing to do. Yeah. How, why are you doing this, you know, in New York City of all places anyway? Um, and, you know, he was born in America. He's, he, he likes to say that he, he celebrates, um, um, uh, you know, uh, Western holidays and not Chinese, New Year's Chinese holidays, um, and that this thing, you know, has really kind of... Uh, you know, made him rethink his identity that he's, you know, always had and had no say in, yeah. um, and and reinforce that American identity, which I think is really interesting and really, you know, adds another facet to what, you know, the gentrification argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, I I don't care about his credentials. You know, I want to taste the pig. It's good know? food. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the, I mean that the kind of the in game of the whole thing is like it it tastes really good. And uh, it seems to be popular among people who grew up with this food from mm. the Carolinas who yeah. now live in, in So New there's York. some sort of levels of authenticity in barbecue. If it's not real yeah, barbecue, and, yeah, and this it's became not supposed to be any good. Yeah, and this, this form of barbecue became the realist to me. I mean, the book is called uh, The One True Barbecue. It should maybe be called My One True Barbecue because I fell in love with it. Mm. And, and it became the most authentic thing to me as a complete outsider, as someone who doesn't even adore barbecue. I mean, well, that was my next question. Are yeah. you sick to death of eating barbecue now, or I'm you s- love it? No, no, no. I'm sick to death, and I'm not, you know, there, I mean, there's been a host <laughs> of new restaurants in town that have opened up right. that serve barbecue, and I have not been to any of them. Can't mm-hmm. face it. 
I feel the same about fruit. <laughs> For all fruit? I really? just can't face it. I'm so sick of eating fruit. There's too many fruits. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just sick of eating fruit. Desert so Island. Fruit's really good. <laughs> Grant's not well, having barbecue's it. Barbecue's good, too, but, you know, after I a while. I great blueberries. Uh, so, so you just can't take it. You can't look at barbecue. Can you even well, no, look at but, a plate of it? Or but, when, but when there's been several places that do what the book is about since the book has gone to press, and I'm really interested in, in those because I'm, I'm invested in those places. Um, and it's, it's an obsession, and I think obsessions can die off. And You mean your obsession or it's the country's obsession now? The food. Well, I mean, barbecue foodie. is a, yeah, barbecue and food is an is obsession with the country, but I, I became very obsessed with this, like, like this, this barbecue vernacular. Right. Mm. That is very rare. But you have and maybe to, to write a book, though, if yeah, you're going to. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. you have to immerse yourself in it, and then when it's over, it's over. I'm I have sure. an idea. Yeah, um, for a friend of yours who uh, vindictively wants to set up, uh, do a prank to you, he needs to take your entire hanging closet <laughs> and hang it in like an applewood smoker. <laughs> you know, and then you I know, think your clothes must smell back, like that. Or put it back in your closet, and uh, considering that you're sick yeah, of barbecue, like that. that'll, that'll <laughs> ruin you for a good year. We played a recent gig in a barbecue restaurant in my upright. I, I played the upright bass, and then I, I took it out of the case the next oh, day. Oh, yeah. you know it. Smelled yeah. Like yeah. Where was that? Yeah. You play Dos Efes, don't leave your cases uh, in there, man. Yeah, oh, cigar. Cool. We were at a Black Label Ice House. Uh, we played. And the air conditioning was broken, I think. And the or AC maybe it was broken. And <laughs> like, Something was going on. Waking up with the hangover is bad. Waking up with, with dehydrated is bad. But add um, smelling barbecue on every single thing <laughs> yeah. that you brought the night before. It's really bad. It's <laughs> real. Hey, guys, we've got to get out of here and make room for paying customers. Let's get out of here. It's still happy. Let's go. go I mean, let's have another couple of drinks. Sounds good. So thank you so much for joining us, Ryan Fertel. And the name of the book is? The One True Barbecue. The One True Barbecue. I like that better than my One True Barbecue, by the way. I like it. It's a seller. It's a seller. It's more religious sounding. Yeah, it's more. Sophie Lafayette, it's been great to look across the table at you. Finally. And to get to talk to you. And find out what you do. Not that I can follow up, really, but it's very interesting. Yeah. I look forward to reading about you on the. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get to meet Julian Assange or something. Maybe one day. Out of all this. Yeah. And guys from McGregor, Sam Ferguson, and Jake McGregor. And we have any, if you have an idea for the name for this band, drop us a line. <laughs> Will do. Thank okay. you for having us. Okay. Great to meet you. Thanks to you all for being here. <laughs> Graham DePonte and Alison Moon produced our show today. Christian Unruh is our music director. And Thomas Walsh is our technical director. Our theme music was written by and is currently being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show and you can stay upright for about an hour, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworleans.com, where you can check out many other hours of Happy Hour, as well as some other shows we make here. Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, which is live from Commander's Palace. True to the Game with Chris True. Midnight Menu with Margot Moss and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canard of Louisiana Eats with Poppy Tooker. Milo's Music Parlor with Kim Vu, the podcast about death, which is called Death the Podcast, with psychologist Dr. Arian Alphant, and our other psychological show, Questions from the Waiting Room with psychiatrist Nick Pajic. You can also find other great Louisiana podcasts at itsacadiana.com and itsbatonrouge.la. You can keep up with us on Facebook and on Twitter and a bunch of other time-sucking social media as well. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Facebook page. Those photos are taken by our photographer, Alison Moon. If you listen to this show on a podcast app that you prefer, thanks for subscribing to us. Take a moment to rate and review us. That does actually help other people find us. Our show is recorded live today at the fabulous Wayfair on Ferret Street in Uptown New Orleans where they have a three-hour happy hour here every day and brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, everyone else around the table here at Wayfair and back at our office at INO Broadcasting, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. We'll see you back here next week on Happy Hour. <laughs>